Did you know that Ireland's history stretches back over 5,000 years? Today, I'm talking with the man who wrote the book on Ireland's ancient East. the Traveling in Ireland podcast. I, you know, I think I say this every time that I'm so excited to have somebody with me, but, you know, it's always true. And today I am ecstatic to introduce you to Neil Jackman. He is an archaeologist extraordinaire and director of Abarta Heritage. He's the author of a new book on Ireland's ancient East, which we will be talking about a little bit in the program and has done some really incredible heritage work around Ireland as far as um, guides and such like that for, for certain areas. So, Neil, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Jody. It's a real pleasure to talk to you. And, you know, I, I actually, I think I, you know, met you kind of through, what, Twitter or something like that years and years ago and had the opportunity to, you know, actually personally meet you in 2015. Yeah, 2015. It's been that long now. (laughs) It has a couple of years now on a very rainy day. It was a rainy day. But I I do have to say that um, your audio guides that you had done um, previously, you were um, Abarta Audio Guides for quite a while before you changed the name to Abarta Heritage. Um, but your audio guides and then meeting you and then um, your wonderfully informative blog posts on your website, I'm going to just completely blame you for my daughter's desire to be an archaeologist when she grows up, if that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's an interesting job. Uh, You get a little weathered by it, but it's always rewarding. (laughs) Now, you, you... you're not originally from Ireland, but you've, you've landed there and kind of adopted the country as your own. Do you want to give me a little background of, of how you came to really, you know, become involved in, in Irish archaeology? Sure. Well, I, I came to Ireland uh, in 1999 now, so that's why. 18, 19 yeah. years. So it's quite a while, <laughs> I suppose. Uh, I went to university in uh, Wales. And uh, a good few of my friends there were Irish. And it was just at the time that I suppose the fabled now Celtic Tiger was beginning to start. So there was a lot of things like road development Mm -hmm. um, in Ireland. Now, Ireland has very strict heritage laws. So if there's going to be a big um, infrastructural project, then they have archaeologists going ahead of time to make Mm -hmm. sure that no archaeology is impacted or where the archaeology has to be excavated we excavate it and we're given time to do that. So I worked on all over the country, really, mm-hmm. um, from County Clare, Sligo, uh, County Dublin, Meath, pretty much the whole place um, on projects like that, infrastructural projects, mm-hmm. where it was either road development, gas pipelines, or buildings and, and things. So I, I did that for a number of years, and then, of course, the crash happened in 2008, right. and that meant infrastructure was put on hold in Ireland. Um, so I was always very, very passionate about trying to tell this, these great stories because in archaeology, 
essentially that's what you're doing. You're trying to create little stories, I suppose, from small amounts of evidence from the past. So I looked into what other ways I could continue to do that, and tourism seemed a natural fit. Both myself and my wife worked for the OPW very briefly. Um, Roisin worked at the Rock of Cashel. I worked at Trim Castle for a couple of seasons, giving guided tours. And I loved the interaction with people from all over the world who'd come up with incredible questions, that, you know, something that you would never even think of. Mm -hmm. And I, I got really interested in, well, how do I make these places more exciting and accessible? And that's gradually where we started to move more towards what we do now with Abarta. Okay. And... So I, I guess I didn't realize that you had worked for the OPW. I want to touch on that something a little bit because mm. that's something that um, is really beneficial to a lot of tourists that maybe they don't know about um, the OPW or the Office of Public Works. And mm -hmm. they, um, they offer a heritage card. That's right. And, and do you know what? That's one of the biggest bargains you could ever get if you come to Ireland. It's only about maybe, I think, uh, 25 euros for an adult. It's, it's mm -hmm. about 50 for a family, which is two adults and I think three children. Right. Uh, and you can get access to all these heritage sites, including the likes of Newgrange, Trim Castle, the Rock of Cashel, and all of that. You'd save an absolute fortune. And it's actually valid for a full year. I believe they are trying out um, a shorter term one now, which oh, is even more nice. of a bargain. I'm not sure on the prices with that. I don't know if that's for sale yet for this year, or mm -hmm. I know they're certainly talking about it for the future. But that's one of the things about Ireland. It's incredibly good value to actually go visit in these places. I was in London uh, um, last year, mm -hmm. and we visited the Tower of London, and it was £25 each right. for us both to go in. That's £50 to, you know, €60 Euros nearly to go into one site. Whereas here in Ireland, I think the most expensive is the likes of Newgrange, and it's only about €11. Euros. With a heritage card that costs 25 it's a, it's a real no-brainer, really, to save a, an absolute fortune. Right, and, and there are so many heritage sites, I mean, just really scattered across the country that, you know, with that card and a two-week vacation, um, you're more than getting your money's worth. So it's, it's probably... Absolutely. I mean, one day out in the Boyne Valley, where if you visit Newgrange, Tara, um, you know, Trim Castle, you pretty much made your money back already. Right. So anything else, like Kilkenny Castle... Is a bonus on top, you know. It, it's really, really good value. Well, I, I appreciate you taking that little detour with me, but now we're going to get back to, to what you do. So you, you kind of took um, the knowledge that you had after working for such a time in Ireland and, and created what is now a Barta Heritage. Can you tell me a little bit about what you do, um, what, what your company is doing now? Um, based, you know, kind of, you know, who you're working with and, and the things that you do and produce? Well, we do a few different things. One of the things which I think, uh, I hope is very useful for visitors is we create a lot of audio guides. So somebody could download them ahead of time before they come to Ireland to, mm -hmm. to hear some of the stories, or they could download them when they're here, and it will give them tours of either particular sites or places, there's driving tours, there's a good variety, but it's all centered around the story of the heritage. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we produce these with different county councils here in Ireland or community groups. And often we, uh, like our recent one for Loophead, which is a lovely region uh, mm -hmm. in County Clare on the Wild Atlantic Way, 
uh, they actually have little snippets of some of the locals telling some of their stories in it. And I'm working on another one in Cock Talk now, which will be similar too. So those audio guides, nearly all of them are available absolutely free to download. Mm -hmm. um, so people are more than welcome to, to download them. So that's part of what we do. Uh, another thing that we do is we do a lot of uh, community development work where we try to help communities that might have heritage in their area to promote themselves through tourism. So we do training with them. We help them to design signage and interpretive panels for visitors to come to see it. Um, and we work as well with museums and, and people like that in similar ways, you know, um, all based around storytelling and empowering them, I suppose, to give visitors the best experience that they can. Well, and I know that you, you work with places that, you know, some of them are kind of off off tourist trail. I know that you worked with the village of Bruff in Limerick, which is one of my favorite little tiny villages, and and it really helped them to understand what they had after you worked with them. It seemed like their... Um, a lot of their social media type things really started to produce more and they were kind of looking at their area in a different way. So as far as, you know, yes, it's helpful to the tourists, but I think it's probably a really great help to these areas that maybe get overlooked a bit. Well, I really hope so. I mean, it, it's areas like that that we really love to focus. I mean, we're ultimately we're a small company, so we can pick and choose a little where we work and, and we always like to find these places that have um, that perhaps been a little overlooked because they're not on a main tourist list or they're not you know one of these big highlight sites if you like but get plenty of promotion through uh, Fulcher Island um, these places like Bruff they're lovely communities they, they have a real pride in their place mm -hmm. and if we can help them in any way to say look this is the best way to get stories out there this is you know it's all part of the training in that particular instance we work with a, a it's called Ballyhoura mm -hmm. Development, which are a community organisation. So they cover a, a lovely region of the country there, including beautiful other places like Loch Dur, for example, which is one of my very favourite yes. places in Ireland, um, and places in Cork too. And uh, they really do an awful lot for those communities. They do a lot of training, and we were just part of that, really. We were focusing on the storytelling, the tourism, um, you know, social media, how they get the messages out there. So it's really, really rewarding for us because that's one of the best things about our jobs. We go to meet these people, they have fantastic stories, and we get out to see these great places too. So it's, it's ideal in a lot of ways. It really suits us. Now, you did an excavation relatively recently that had a lot of press um, kind of follow, you know, building up to it and during it and following it. Um, and that was at the Hellfire Club, which is just outside of Dublin. And a lot of people maybe, you know, have heard of the, you know, kind of the stories of the Hellfire Club. Um, but you were really searching further back in that. That's right. Uh, that was a brilliant project. You know, we really, really enjoyed that one. Uh, you see, I've been working on that in a very kind of low-key way for the last couple of years with the Heritage Officer, Rosalind Dwyer of South Dublin County Council. And you see, the Hellfire Club is a really popular place. It's just on the outskirts of Dublin. It's in the foothills of the Dublin mountains. And it's this very creepy-looking <laughs> 18th century building that's a ruin. It's got a lot of myths and legends mm -hmm. about the devil appears there. It's a cursed site. 
and all of this kind of thing. And one of the earliest legends about it, that it says the reason why it's so haunted and cursed is because they've destroyed an ancient tomb to use all of its stone to build the Hellfire Club. So we wanted to have a look. Can we find any remains of that tomb left intact? Or was it all destroyed at the time? And if we could find it, could we find anything that would prove that it was, in fact, what it was believed to have been, which is a Neolithic passage to a 5,000-year-old tomb, very similar to Newgrange. And that excavation, um, we did manage to find evidence of it. We found 5,000-year-old art. We found a beautiful polished stone axe. We found other things as well. So we're, we're still doing the analysis of that. We've got to get uh, radiocarbon dates and everything, but it's looking really, really good. But it really captured people's attention because the site is so well visited and mm -hmm. so well um, known, I suppose, in Dublin. Mm -hmm. um, and you've got this great kind of story as well of 18th century debauchery. I won't go into that <laughs> on a family show. It's, it's quite risky stuff. Uh, a lot of bad lads getting up to naughty things up there, uh, these aristocrats. So you have all of that stuff. You have all the ghosts and folklore and all of that kind of stuff. And, of course, you have this amazing 5,000-year-old archaeology as well. So it really captured people's imaginations, and we hoped it would have done. Um, we also worked in, in the project as well. We were very open. We had people coming along and just chatting to us as we're doing the dig, and we explained what we were doing and why. And we also made sure that all the local schools came out as well. So by the end of it, we were getting hundreds of people every single day, and it was really, really rewarding for that. Everyone who came up had a different story about the Hellfire Club. Like if you run around it three times backwards, the devil appears and all <laughs> that kind of thing. So we were getting these great tales and stories as we were doing it. So it was brilliant, and we hope that the project does continue into the future as well. And, you know, I think that was one of the things that, that was most impressive was as I was watching it, you know, from halfway across the world, is that it was so open. It wasn't like you had you know, basically closed the site for the excavations that it was, you know, so accessible to people. And I loved that school groups were going up there. I was just, I was so envious. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a big, it's kind of a, a real belief that I have that the past doesn't belong to anyone in particular. It doesn't belong to uh, academics. It doesn't belong to us archaeologists. The past belongs to everybody. This is the story of a region, of a locality, and of a people, and that those people, they're going to be the custodians of the heritage and, you know, going into the future. So if you can help to inspire, especially the younger people with the schools, um, that heritage and archaeology is interesting and exciting and you can tell all these stories about it, that's better for the long-term future for the heritage of the country, really, you know. So it's all part of that, really, that it, it, it's about, I suppose, sharing stories and protecting the monuments at, at the same time. Oh, so cool. And And you have another relatively big project uh, that you're building up to right now. Am I correct on that? Well, we're working on a, a few projects at the moment. Uh, we're always spinning a few places. <laughs> we just finished a, a really rewarding one looking at the River Liffey, looking at the oh, entire nice. heritage of the Liffey from the source to the sea. So we were up doing that. And as uh, another project in that same kind of area, we're actually looking at um, the Dublin Mountains. Now, a lot of the Dublin Mountains have these ancient 5,000-year-old-plus um, tombs mm -hmm. up on top of them. You know, they're all about 5,000 to 5,300 years old, but very little is known about them, uh, but they're all in spectacular locations. So we were looking at, kind of, uh, we were helping the councils there, Dunleary Rathdown County Council and mm -hmm. South Dublin County Council again. Uh, we were looking at 
you know, is there any um, tourism potential for these? Can we put more interpretation in? What we would recommend for that? So we do a lot of kind of, I suppose, advice and assessment kind of work, um, that kind of report stuff. Um, but at the same time, we, we carry on with our, our normal tourism one. At the moment, we're working on an audio guide for a place called Butterbent in Cork. Um, Roisin is currently, as we speak, training a group in Clindarkin in South County Dublin in tour guide training. So we're doing a few little projects at the moment, but they're all, uh, we find them all interesting, which is a good thing, I suppose, to <laughs> interesting in your job, you know. Well, and, that, you know, I suppose that's a benefit. And, you know, another benefit is that, you know, it's like work inside and then, oh, you have a fine day and, and you're off exploring. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that would they're be fabulous. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely the best thing. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the great things, really, um, uh, about this kind of work, is it's so varied. So mm -hmm. we get to see an awful lot of the country. We get to talk with an awful lot of different types of people, and we get to see these fantastic monuments as well. So we're actually um, just working on a big project at the moment called Adopt a Monument um, with the Heritage Council in mm -hmm. Ireland. And that's where we train local community groups um, who apply to it. We train them in how to conserve and protect the monuments and, and things like that as well. So, yeah, there's a lot going on at the minute, and all of it is so varied. Each of those sites, um, this is the second year, for example, of the Doctor Monument, where we had six communities last year, and each one of them was so different. They were all different types of monuments. They all had different priorities, some conservation, some tourism. So it, it's really varied work, which keeps it exciting and keeps it very fresh. So I'm very, very lucky to be able to work in it. Yeah. So I'm going to ask if you can tell me, when you've been um, you know, doing your excavations and things, what probably is the most exciting find you've made? Have you found anything really, really great? <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's all exciting to me. <laughs> um, it, uh, I'd, I'd say it's, it's between two in terms of what looks the flashiest. Um, I was very lucky in 2006, 2007, uh, I was working on a road scheme uh, near Ballinasloe in County Galway, between Athlone and Ballinasloe, and it was actually on the roadway that connects, it's the M6 now, the motorway mm -hmm. that connects uh, Gal Dublin and Galway. Mm -hmm. So it was that stretch near Ballinasloe, and we found in the bog, covered by the bog, um, an early medieval mill. Uh, so oh. this is a mill made of wood. Uh, it's all timbers. Mm -hmm. um, but we found, because it was all preserved by the bog, you could still see all the axe marks on the wood. You could still see the ropes um, that were used there and everything. It was perfectly preserved. We found part of a shoe. We found uh, a spade, a complete wooden spade that the millers used mm -hmm. to use and everything. And that dated to about 650 AD. So it, it, you know, it was a good 1,003, mm -hmm. you know, 1,200, 1,300 years old. And it's the best preserved one ever found to date in Europe. So it, it was a wonderful excavation. It was really, really interesting. And I've got to say the Hellfire Club was incredibly <laughs> rewarding as well, just because, you know, what we wanted to do was to see, firstly, could we prove that any of the site was left or was it basically a big quarry pit from the 18th mm -hmm. century? Um, and we did that. And could we prove that it was a Neolithic passage tomb, and we found an axehead, we found megalithic art, which is extremely rare. Um, so that was really exciting too as well, not to mention all the, as we discussed, all the community interaction, <laughs> which is so rewarding. 
That's so both of those I think were very good. Yeah. <laughs> those are incredible. Now you have you've always been um, you've always published uh, you know information. I mean that's just something that you've always done. But you recently had a relatively important book come out. Yeah, yeah. That, well, that was the first kind of, um, I, I suppose, guidebook for the general public. The other publication I've done is very archaeology, mm -hmm. if you like. It's quite technical, a um, <laughs> bit dry, if you like. But, um, <laughs> this this one is with the Collins Press, and it's a guidebook to Fulcher Island's new um, uh, kind of idea for Ireland, which is Ireland's ancient east. So it's like the counterpart to the Wild Atlantic West. Um, so that came out uh, last summer, and uh, yeah, people have been very kind about it. it, it's, it, it's, it it's a guidebook I've wanted, I think, to write for a while, is to help people find the, those hidden gems, if you like, those places just off the beaten track um, that they might not have heard of before or that might not be on your typical coach tour, if you like. So it's mm -hmm. for the kind of person who comes over to Ireland and rents a car and drives around quite independently by themselves. Hopefully they have this in the glove box and it'll be of help to them because there's directions and maps and things like that as well to help them find it. So how did you, because I mean obviously you can't get absolutely everything in that book. It would it would no. go on and on. So how did you choose the sites that you did include? Oh God, that was... <laughs> Do you know there's an, there's an old film called, uh, is it called Sophie's Choice or something? Where okay. It's quite a, a very sad film with Meryl Streep where she has to choose between the two children and one will die. Um, that was easy compared to me trying to pick the twin monuments for a bit of It was very hard. Uh, I, I wanted to have good geographical distribution. Island's Agency is actually much bigger geographically than the Wild Atlantic Way. Mm -hmm. The Wild Atlantic Way is a, a pretty much a single route. Island's Agency is everything east of the River Shannon, right. pretty much with the exception of Dublin. So I, I wanted to make sure that I had good distribution, so I couldn't put all of the sites in Tipperary and Kilkenny. Um, so that was part of the, the thinking behind it. And I also wanted to tell different types of stories as well. But the main thing was each of these sites I've visited, I know them all well, and I want, you know, I wanted to include sites where you get a really nice visitor experience, where the atmosphere is, is something a little bit different. So, although I do include kind of some of the better known places like Kilkenny Castle and the Rocky Castle, you can also see in the guidebook, well, this Atassel Abbey is mm -hmm. nearby, which you'd have for yourself for the entire day, which a big sprawling medieval ruin, the one that we went to. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, if you're in um, County Loud, for example, you could go and see Castle Roach, the only medieval castle um, built by a woman, um, Lady Roesia de Verdun, who is a bit of a character. Apparently, after it was built, she had her architect torn out of a window, so he could never tell anyone the secrets <laughs> of the castle. <laughs> so I wanted to include those kind of places where you could really get off the beaten track and have this great experience where you'd be there by yourself, just surrounded by nature, surrounded by the history and the heritage. Um, they were the ones I, I kind of put to the forefront. Along with some of the historic towns, I cheated a bit. For example, I've got Kilkenny in there as one block that includes St. Canice's and mm -hmm. uh, the castle and, and Rolf House and everything, rather than splitting them up because there's a hundred places mm -hmm. mapped in there, so I had to cheat a little. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's a brilliant, brilliant book. I've, uh, I've not actually gotten my hands on it yet. It's a bit difficult to get here in the States yet. 
but uh, I've, uh, yeah. I've managed I to peek through a bit. Yeah, yeah I, I, I believe it's uh, available um, on Amazon, but I'll definitely get you a copy in the post anyway. So it's a big one. You're kind. Um, I'm actually just working on a follow-up to it now uh, with Orange Press um, for the Wild Atlantic Way. So oh, wow. same format. A hundred great places to go and see along the Wild Atlantic Way, and with again a, a focus on history, heritage, um, these sprawling ruins of castles and abbeys and ancient prehistoric tombs and all of that kind of thing. All the good stuff. Oh, um, brilliant. Yeah, so th there won't be kind of places to eat and stuff like that. Right. I don't really focus on that kind of thing. I focus mostly on the history and the heritage, really, and hopefully people will enjoy that. Um, so that should hopefully be done by the end of the summer, anyway. Oh, that will be wonderful, because there are so many spots. Um, I was just reading, actually, the other day that uh, County Sligo is the least visited county along the Wild Atlantic Way, and Donegal is the second least. And I'm and assuming they... ridiculous. They're right? magic. <laughs> <laughs> they are absolutely magic, magic places. Um, Sligo, for example, is so beautiful with the scenery, and the coastline mm -hmm. in particular is gorgeous. But you've got um, these ancient tombs, these 5,000-year-old tombs on top of all the mountains. Now, I, I do have a bit of a thing for Neolithic classic tombs. I do think they're beautiful <laughs> places to see. But these ones are absolutely spectacular. The views you get are, are absolutely breathtaking, and they're so accessible as well. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's history, heritage, beautiful scenery. Uh, and Donegal, we're working with a group that are actually um, up in Ardra, that part of the country around Glenses and so on. It, it's stunning. I don't understand why everyone goes straight to the Cliffs of Moher. It's very nice. But if you go to these places, you get to see a little more of kind of authentic islands, if you like, you know? Exactly. Um, you'll meet a few less tourists, but you'll meet a lot more locals. And for people who like that kind of thing, I can't recommend Sligo and Donegal enough. Well, and, and the thing I know I've mentioned in the past is once we get, when we travel, once we get north of Galway, uh, so mm -hmm. even, you know, Connemara, we still run into quite a few American tourists, but once we get mm -hmm. north of that into, you know, Westport and Sligo and Donegal, I mean, we, mm -hmm. we've done entire weeks without running into an American in those areas, and it's yeah. It's really quite quite nice the the openness and the fewer people and you know just everything everything comes together to create this amazing experience that so many want to to um, have when they're in Ireland. Absolutely, and it's something a little different for people too as well. You know, I mean, it, it, when you're chatting, a lot of people have been to see, for example, the Cliffs of Moher. I think we've been to two and places like that. But very few have been to see the cliffs at Sleeve League, for example, mm -hmm. which are equally as beautiful. And, and County Mayo as well is, is a stunning place as well. So you can have a lovely break there, and you're really out amongst the locals. You're out in incredible scenery, and the prices are a bit cheaper as well. So <laughs> it's definitely worth bearing in mind, you know? <laughs> that is incredibly true, although it kind of hurts me to give away those secrets. You kind of want to keep those deep. You know, <laughs> it's, know it's, it comes to, you know, do I keep these secrets to myself? And, of course, I share them because I want more and more people to experience everything Ireland has to offer. And it's it's getting That's a bit true. easier, and people are a bit more open to getting off that, that tourist track. So it's, it's very well, nice. Yeah, yeah, and that's really good. And the big thing as well that I think 
you know, people should bear in mind is Ireland is a very small country. It's very, very accessible. You, you can drive from one end to the other in about three hours, you know, mm-hmm. four hours. So you can easily see a few places. But what I would recommend is just pick a corner of Ireland and route yourself there and get involved with the local community, go to the local pubs and things like that. Because I, I think sometimes, you know, although it's great to travel around and see a lot, some of the time you can spend most of your holiday on the road. Right. Seeing places, you know, and picking things off a list. But if you say, you know, you want to visit the Northwest and you spend a few days in Sligo and a few days in Donegal, you're going to get a really nice, deep experience there, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a nice country, I suppose, to travel to. It's very easy. Um, to get around um, so if you do want to do and see as much as you can you can certainly manage that but if you want to take it a bit slower get more involved you can do that too there's a lot of scope for it and I think with things like Island 60 East and the Wild Atlantic Way it just helps people I suppose to, to think a bit beyond the the you know the Ring of Kerry for example or the Ring of mm-hmm. Dingle mm-hmm. uh, and to see that there's a lot more to see all the way along the coast. Very true, and I, I know that I'm forever telling people to slow down. You don't, you, you can't see it all, so really, you know, focus on what you can and, and don't be in a rush to, to leave one place to get to another. Definitely good absolutely. advice. Yeah, absolutely, because every county, um, although it's a small country, every county has its own particular character and its own particular way of doing things and its own particular story. And if you spend a little longer in each of those places, you get to understand and appreciate it a little bit more, I think. And that can be more rewarding. Um, but, yeah, the, it, it's definitely uh, tourism, I can see, is one of the things that is working quite well in Ireland at the moment. And hopefully people are still coming to see it. It's good value for money, and it's, um, you know, got an awful lot to offer. It really has. It's very true. Now, I'm going to kind of lead us toward the end here and ask you, and I know this is going to be a hard question for you because I know that you have loads of information um, just right there, you know, waiting to come out. But of, you know, all of Ireland, what are three places that you think maybe people should really, you know, take the time to visit, um, you know, whether they're, you know, already very popular places that are definitely worth the reputation they've built or you know places that might be completely unknown or off the beaten track that that you think more people should take the time to find what what three places would you direct people to oh gosh um <laughs> no I, I'm, I feel kind of off the hook with Sligo and Donegal I think I'm giving them <laughs> a look I think if uh, County Waterford, I think, is one of the nicest counties in the country, and it's often overlooked. People may have heard of Lycan Triangle. They certainly may have heard of Waterford Crystal. That's all still there, and that's great to see. But um, there's places like Goldstown Dolmen, which is a beautiful 5,000-year-old um, uh, uh, dolmen, a, a portal tomb, hidden away in this wooded glade, and, and that's one of those places that you can really get a sense of almost the other world. It's really atmospheric it's beautiful but uh, there's a place called Ardmore which is on the coast and uh, mm-hmm. there's a famous hotel though which is quite expensive to stay but it's worth it it's really nice called the Cliff House Hotel now leading from the Cliff House Hotel you can do a cliff walk and the cliffs there are beautiful and you see the wrecks of ships you see you know mm-hmm. medieval churches and it finishes off in uh, the beautiful round tower 
of Ardmore, which is one of the nicest in the country. So I recommend Ardmore and Wasford generally uh, as a place to go and see. I think it's got an awful lot to offer. It's got beautiful mountains with the Cunmers. It's got beautiful coastline with the Copper Coast and with Ardmore. And you've got an awful lot of heritage there as well. So there's a whole lot down in County Waterford. Uh, I have to say my home county of Tipperary. <laughs> as well, uh, we neighbour Waterford as well, so you can definitely team those up. Um, you got things like a, a, obviously the Rock of Cashel. Now, what always kind of slightly breaks my heart about the Rock of Cashel is you get loads of visitors going there, mm-hmm. absolutely tons, and then they all get back on coaches or in the cars and they just drive on again for another couple of hours, mm-hmm. and you don't spend any time in the county. Uh, Tipperary is a beautiful county. Uh, it's one of the largest in the country, so there's a lot of different types of landscapes and places you can experience. But for people who like the Rock of Cashel, 10 minutes down the road you have the Tassel Abbey. Uh, about 20 minutes up the road you have the likes of Kilcooley Abbey as well, and these are all beautiful medieval buildings that you can certainly spend a day exploring. Um, so there's an awful lot. Uh, and you have uh, my hometown of Clonmel, for example, with uh, St. Patrick's Well, which is a really atmospheric little place. Um, so that's great as well. And, you know, we mentioned it er- earlier uh, with that part of Limerick around Brough. I think Lochgar, um, you get a great experience there. Lochgar is uh, it's got about 5,000 years of heritage all crammed into uh, around <laughs> the edges of one little lake. And it's in beautiful scenery as well. It's really um, nice place to take your time and it feels like you've kind of gone back 100 years in some mm-hmm. ways you know it, it, it's real authentic view of Ireland um, I'm going to cheat though and sneak in a fourth one and that's the Boyne Valley in, in <laughs> where you've got the famous Newgrange now uh, but you've also got an awful lot of places there as well that a lot of people don't go to see the likes of Rathmore Church uh, Clochter this ancient hill about there, um, the Hill of Tara uh, obviously and Trim Castle but there's a ton to see in mm-hmm. uh, the Boyne Valley as well. So basically around every corner in the country <laughs> there's something pretty great. So it, it's always hard for me to narrow it down. So I apologize for cheating. So true. Thing, no, but. no, completely. <laughs> I I know that the Boyne Valley is someplace that, that we have not explored a lot. We did a little bit this last summer. Uh, Trim Castle blew me away. Just yeah, blew yeah. me away. And that, yeah, I, I was lucky to work there for a couple of summers, and um, they're they're a great team there. The the guys they're really nice, um, but also the it, it's not like a lot of other castles in that it's never been fully kind of restored mm-hmm. or reconstructed, if you like. So it's almost like you're you're seeing the fabric of what a medieval castle was actually built of. It's a lot more mm-hmm. tangible uh, to put your mind back to those Normans who arrived here in the 1170s. Um, and there's great stories there as well. So it's a, it's a fantastic And the tour, the, the, the guided tour they do there is one of the best I've ever had. Yeah, I, I, I have to say that. I used to work with them. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they, they are absolutely brilliant. And, it, and each one of the guides uh, has their own particular stories that they focus on. Mm-hmm. So there's so many different strands of the story you can tell there that, uh, I, I know some kind of focus on the daily life of what it would have been like to live in a place mm-hmm. like that. Others tell the stories of people like the, the Lacey's who built it. Others focus more on the later history of the castle. And others, again, on the fact that like Braveheart was filmed. There. Right. There's an awful lot of kind of different strands to the castle. And I think each one of the, the guides brings out their own personalities in telling those stories. And then uh, the other three places, um, Tipperary 
and uh, Lotger, you know, both yeah, amazing. For, for sure, yeah. And County Waterford, as I say, with Ardmore, it's absolutely beautiful. It really, really is nice down there, so I, I do recommend that. <laughs> I'm going to admit, um, Ardmore was always on my, you know, I've got to visit list, and this is such a funny mm. reason. You're going to laugh. So I finally made it to Ardmore um, 2015. So I finally made it down there. But if, if people read romantic fiction, they've heard of Ardmore in the Nora Roberts series. <laughs> oh. um, she, wrote, she wrote a trilogy. Nora Roberts um, okay. wrote a trilogy that, that took place you know, in Ardmore about, oh gosh, what was the family name? And the Gallaghers who owned a pub down there. And so, you know, okay. she, so it, it was kind of like, you know, coming to a place that I'd read about, but, it, you know, it was nothing like, you know, what you read, obviously. Um, but the cliff walk was amazing. But it was just one of those places that in my mind, you know, I was like, I, one of these days I've got to get there. So it was kind of funny. And, and you know, the that really, really, yeah. That, that's really nice. And it's <laughs> funny sometimes, isn't it? When, when you read about a place in a book, you, you have this vivid picture in your mind and sometimes when you see it in the flesh it either doesn't live up to it or it's completely different but that's cool too you know, but, well, it, yeah. it, it's fun to experience well you know the the uh, layout of it when you picture it and then you know when you're actually up on the cliff walk you're like okay the way i pictured the layout didn't look like this this the reality was just so much more true and vivid and dramatic so it all worked out yeah it's uh, it's absolutely stunning there and just near there, I see, is the, there's, it's just a really nice drive. It's called the Copper Coast. It's mm -hmm. actually um, like a geopark now and things like that. But uh, it's where they, they used to do a lot of mining for copper. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's all these ruins of chimneys and stuff like that where once 5,000 men used to work in the mines and now there's nothing there. Um, but that drive along the Copper Coast is one of the best drives in the country. And again, it's absolutely free to do. You know, mm -hmm. there's... there's all of this stuff that you can do on a very tight budget and have a wonderful experience while you're doing it, you know. Um, so I do recommend this kind of southeast <laughs> corner as well for a, for a place to come and visit. Oh, well, you've given me, you know, I always tell Doug, you know, the next time we go to Ireland, we're, we're going to settle into one place and just day trip from there for, you know, two or three weeks. And it never works out that way because you give me all these ideas. And I'm like, oh, we have to go here, and we have to go here. So. We'll just take a few months out <laughs> and come and stay. I don't even know that <laughs> no, a few months would do me. There's always no, more. No, that's the thing. Well, uh, you know, it, it's the same. If it helps, it's the same with me. There's always, <laughs> I always have a list of about 100 places that I have to go and see each year, and gradually as the year ticks on, it's like, God, I've not been to this, this, and this. Uh, one of the places that's top of my list this year is a small island uh, called Inishmurri. I want to spend a lot more time on the Western Islands off the coast. Um, it's off the coast of Sligo, uh, is that where that one is? Yeah, Inishmurri, it's, it's a little monastery on an mm -hmm. island, and it's quite difficult to get to. You have to have, uh, I, I suppose, similar in a way to Skellig Michael, although the buildings are quite different. Mm -hmm. it, it's similar in that it's difficult to get to because it has to be perfect sea conditions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, to get out there. So any time I've tried before, it's just not worked out. So I'm determined to go this year. And apparently, if you're there at the start of May, the whole island is covered in bluebells. So you get the the ruins of these, you know, um, an ancient monastery surrounded by all these bluebells and everything. Oh, it's amazing. Be beautiful. So 
That's, Good that's luck. very high on my list this year. I know. Yeah, I've, I've really had that one on my list, too. <laughs> it's so fun. But you see, it's all the more rewarding when you get there. <laughs> exactly. Well, Neil, I want to thank you so much. Um, this has been a wonderful chat. So much information. And, and I know. So, sorry for rambling. No, gosh. <laughs> love it. Love it. We could go on and on and on and, and not run out of things to talk about. I already know this. So if people, <laughs> if people want to um, avail of your, uh, your audio guides and your website, um, your blog, which, again, has beautiful pictures and loads of information, what's the best way for them to, to get all that information under one, you know, kind of one umbrella? Sure. Uh, well, the best thing to do, I think, is to uh, visit us at our website, which is abataheritage.ie, A-B-A-R-T-A heritage.ie. Uh, and gradually I'm moving the blog, which is Time Travel Island, mm -hmm. and gradually moving that into that website as well. So everything's going to be under the one oh, roof. And if people want like little daily updates of beautiful places to see in Ireland and a little bit about the story, uh, they can find us on Facebook and Twitter as well at uh, About the Heritage. Um, and we try to put up lots of pictures about what we're doing and things like that as well. So if people have an interest in the history and the heritage, to be more than welcome to join us there as well. But uh, as I say, we have about 28 or so audio guides which are available for free now for people to enjoy. Um, and we wrote some of them as well with a fictional uh, thing based on the archaeology and stuff that you can list. You don't have to be in the country to listen to them. So if people want to hear stories from Ireland, they might enjoy that as well. And you'd be very welcome. Beautiful. Well, Neil, thank you so much for joining me today. It's, as always, a pleasure. Yeah, it's a real pleasure to talk to you, Jody. Thank you very much for inviting me on.